0: One hundred point seven FM WHIN ten ten AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program. Each Sunday morning at ten AM, Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, two twenty one Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. MMLS number five one eight one five eight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon.
1: Well, welcome in the Sunday Morning Summer County Spotlight. Uh, Jeff Shannon, your host, right here. We have a kind of a special edition of the Spotlight because we're going to kind of jump back in history just a bit. And just recently, uh, we had celebrated a birthday here. I'll let you know that WHIN, we went on the air on August the 2nd, 1948. It was the only radio station in Sumner County at the time. And we had many different call letters. We have, you know, throughout the entire history. We've had some pretty famous folks come through here and we're gonna be talking to one of those in just a minute. In, in, infamous or famous, I, I, we'll, we'll come up with that. We'll let them know. But,
2: <laughs>
1: so we, we had, you know, back in the day, radio has changed quite a bit, as everybody knows. Back when we call it the, the heyday of broadcasting, uh, it's not what it is today oh gosh no now technology has changed delivery has changed personalities have changed there's just a whole uh, different thing here so I, I wanted to reach out and bring in a guy that was kind of here back in those uh, early days i want to introduce you to buddy sadler
2: howdy folks <laughs>
1: <laughs> buddy goes way back and you've been you've got quite quite a history in in broadcasting here in middle tennessee
2: uh yeah this was my third job My first one was at Mm WLAC-FM in 65. 66, I went to work over in Hartsville and was able to work for that man for three months. Now, you won't believe my shift. I worked sign-on till sign-off, Monday through Friday, and half a day on Saturday. Friday nights, I had to go to the ball game and do commercials with a play-by-play guy. That was how I ended up at WHIN. There was a guy here named Lynn Schultz, well-known local family. Lynn ended up at Columbia Records. He discovered Garth Brooks. Wow. Now, there's a little history for sure, you. Sure, absolutely. I don't think cool. Lynn signed him, but he took him to whoever was in charge. Lynn had a one of the, you know, well, my pay grade kind of, kind of jobs. But uh, he found Garth Brooks. But Lynn came over for a football game. I was doing Hartsville football. He said, I was listening to you the other morning at new station at Hartsville at the time. Listening to you the other morning, you said you were going to be on from sign-on till (laughs) sign-off. He said, I was going home, and I heard you as you were playing the Star... Just before you played the Star-Spangled Banner, and sure enough, you were still on.
1: (laughs) What did you find to talk about all day?
2: The first day I went on the air, I had one commercial for all day. One commercial. Wow. It was a block programming early in the morning we played country i didn't play a song i played an album (laughs) it was right (laughs) and i didn't really (laughs) like country music but i i learned about bill anderson country country artists had lots of fans and they would call you and let you know oh sure and they 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 called, but I had nothing to do. The lady who was the receptionist uh, made out the logs and did all that other stuff. She didn't have that much to do because the older fellow who owned it, Chester Davis, who always, you could tell what he'd had for breakfast because of what he had on his tie. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Drove a big old black Cadillac around yeah. there. Did the cigar <laughs> Didn't have a cigar. No, he didn't smoke. You couldn't smoke. You weren't supposed to smoke in the building. However, I did not open the windows back there behind the This is sixty, nineteen sixty-six, 1966, early 66. Anyway, I'm going around the corner to get to the story. Anyway, at one of those Friday night football games, Hartsville was hosting Gallatin, and Schultz came up and told me what he had heard me say. He said can i ask you how much do you make a week and i said 85 dollars a week he said sign on to sign off five days a week and half a day saturday i said yeah he said
1: i think the pay grade is still the same today. <laughs> probably
2: <laughs> he said i can get you that or you can get that i'm leaving whin he went to work for a record company at the time mm-hmm. and he said you can get that I said uh, come over and talk to charlie brewer and I went over and talked to Charlie and Charlie hired me on the spot. I gave my two week notice and old Mr. Davis, bless his heart, he, he uh, didn't want me to leave, he tried to get me to stay. So what where did we get you to stay? And I said, I don't know, maybe two or three other disc jockeys to help out during the day would help. <laughs> well, no, I can't do that. So the last day I was there, he said, I guess you ought to know that I spent $45 to get the locks changed on these doors. I said, Chester, you haven't got a dang thing in here that I would want anyway, so I'm yeah, glad yeah. you spent it, and it's money well spent. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I came to WHIN, Charlie Brewer, the guy that, um, on the tape you were listening to earlier, was the general manager, and he took me in and showed me around, and he says, I don't know how any of this works, but here's a switch to turn it on, that's all you have to know. That's it. That was it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And back then, did, did, well... Let me ask you that. Did they have a teletype? Because that's all Rip and read stuff. That's yeah, what was, we had yeah, to do. Yeah,
2: that's that's how I got into news was Rip and read, and, yeah. and starting to ride around with the police officers in Gallatin. Mm-hmm. Real news. Real news, friends. That's you know, the it, news and that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one? Yes.
1: You know, there's, there's just so much history with this radio station and, and being around so long and the fact you were here at the beginning. Of course, the sound was different. I mean, the music, yeah. I mean, a lot of that's still played today. I mean, now, wait a great minute.
2: Great tracks back then. It, I wasn't in the beginning, 1948 to well, 65. There. There's quite a few years <laughs> in between. Don't put me back there in 48. <laughs> Ernest Tubbs' son worked up here. Did he really? Yes, he did.
1: And there were some other folks, too.
2: Um, uh, wasn't it like a coyote Cowdy now, Cowdy worked over at Kix when we went to Kix. Okay, but uh, a guy named Bill Hoss-Allen who was a part of that overnight crew on WLAC in Nashville the overnight. Hey baby, from down in Dixie selling you chickens and Randy's record shops. That oh yeah, that yeah. was what made Randy's. Randy Wood owned the record shop here, and that's what made his shop so. So big and worldwide yeah, yeah. because wow. LAC could be heard everywhere at night. Hugh Jarrett worked here. Hugh sang with the Jordanaires and on all of the early Elvis movies. Mm-hmm. That's Hugh who sang bass over on the side. Is he that had right? a big Hugh Baby Hop. Yes, Hugh worked here. And funny thing, Bill and Hugh and I are all in the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. So right. WHIN, not many stations other than wsm in nashville might you have that many people coming out of it that's crazy
1: yeah and speaking of that i mean you were in, inducted back in 2014 right yeah so yeah i mean what a great honor to I mean, oh to tell be, me
2: uh,
1: <laughs> was it <laughs> yes. a surprise to you
2: yeah, because I, Lee Dorman, who started it, who owns the station in Portland, part owner up there, it was his idea. He got it from a friend of his in Georgia, I think, and he started it, and he talked to me about it, and we started talking to several people and began having meetings, and that was where the Hall of Fame came out of. And when we were talking about it, we said, you or I will never be in it, neither one of us. Yeah. And then to be a news guy and be inducted in just the third year, it was quite an honor. Sure. And I didn't get in it for the honors. I got in it to play music I liked rock and roll. Yeah, to meet women. I was single, and to have a good time just playing music and being on being on the radio was a thrill. Yeah, uh, never thought it made me special or anything else, but I was having a good time, and if folks liked the music I was playing, okay, good. We're both winning.
1: As many years as you've been doing this, there've been a lot of changes, and uh, <laughs> you know, you you were in news. I right. guess in early days, we we all started in you know spinning records. <laughs> <laughs> then jumped in the news and uh, I mean you had that that voice that commanding voice for news and uh, people were really the, the most uh, trusted man in middle tennessee
2: my <laughs> my uh, mother told me when i was i was the kid who in beginning in the first second third grade we didn't have kindergarten back then but in first second third grade those places i was a kid who had to stand at the blackboard with my nose in the circle for talking too much and my mother once made the statement if you could ever find anybody that would pay you for talking you'd have a job take it don't give it up and when i got my first job i said mom I did it. I found somebody that's going to pay me to talk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were on the air. Did you do news here at HIN? Yeah. We had to do everything at that point.
2: It's called Run Back to the Little Room. was right behind us in the old studio. Now, it wasn't the studio you know down there. It was Mm -hmm. the one over next to it. Run back in there and tear the wire off, try to find the Tennessee news. And uh, we had UPI. We didn't have Associated Press. We had UPI. Tear the copy off and read the news, find the Tennessee news, the national news, kind of have an idea of what was going on. Read it. So you hurry up and get out of it. So you start playing that music again.
1: Most people might know the older folks have been around here for a while. been listening to HIN for forever. We used to be located out in Gallatin off of 109, right. off Scotty Parker, up on the the mountain, which we call Music Mountain. Our tower is up there, and we also have a AM tower down closer to the uh, station. It was just a you know small house at that point when Braden Madison Broadcasting purchased WHIN back in '16. Of course, we started doing some upgrades, and you know we changed the the jingle and we you know just pretty much
2: upgraded. <laughs> they needed everything. to be. Thank you Tony wherever you are. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: in, in fact, speaking of the jingles, let's take a listen. I found this and, and you're probably aware of it, but I found this kind of what we call a we call it air check. We're yep. going to listen to oh, a man. little bit of
0: Super Saddler right
1: here at WHI. Uh, let's take a listen.
0: Hey. I, 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 I. W-H-I-N. from 1959, baby, you got personality. You're just in time for much more music with Super Sadler. Time now for WHIN News. This edition brought to you by the pure oil distributor for this area, the Gallatin Oil Company.
2: Good afternoon. This is Buddy Sadler reporting. At least two persons have been killed this weekend in accidents in Tennessee. State Senator Joe Kelly of Columbus says he is disappointed.
0: 89 degrees. That's news and weather at 5 o'clock. This is Buddy Sadler reporting for WHIN News and the Gallatin Oil Company. (laughs) This edition of WHIN News is a regular presentation of the Gallatin Oil Company and your pure dealers in this area. You've heard the news. It's time for music with Super Sadler with more of what you're listening for.
1: All right, friends, neighbors. And, well, you know what?
2: <laughs> Boy, does that bring back memories. Wow. I mean, it has uh, changed a little bit, I think. Yeah, I don't talk nearly as fast as I did back then. And I swear I wasn't taking diet pills or anything. That was just how I played. Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's, it's
1: so cool to look back on how it was it's just you you reminisce you kind of remember things you hear things like this and it goes gosh I remember those jingles and oh, yeah. it was a lot of part of people's lives when they heard those uh, specific jingles in many
2: markets uh, it brings it back I, I do it without bragging I, my dad always told me, You don't have to tell people how good you are. If you are, they'll tell you. I got the job in Nashville from here. I'd been here for three years, almost exactly three years, just over. My ratings showed up in Nashville against KDA and MAK. There were a couple of blocks during the afternoon, and I got a call the same week from both stations. Joe Sullivan at MAK wanted me to work weekends. And Al Adams over at KDA wanted me to do news. They didn't have a spot, but I know now what they were trying to do. They were trying to get me out of a pier. The AM signal was was great. Yeah. I mean, it oh was no, you everywhere. get it, You can
1: get it all all over yeah. the place. But probably back then, by that time, you were probably making what eighty eight dollars a week.
2: I was up to a hundred and wow, hundred and ten or fifteen. But it was a local band called the Deltas, who later changed their name to Glass Hammer or something. I did their commercials, Charlie. The manager, I could make as many commercials as I wanted to. As long as I wanted to promoting the Friday night Saddler Bash at the skating rink, we had a dance, and the Delta's played. I'd go over and open the thing up. I was guaranteed twenty-five dollars, and all over a certain amount of people would be. I'd get a percentage of that. But I took a cut and pay to go to Nashville because I was with the band. I was making more here than I got down there to start wow, with.
1: Yeah. Well, you you actually left this market and went to uh, Houston for a while.
2: Yeah, I was at KDA for from nineteen. Uh, 1969 till 74 got offered a job in Houston Texas and went down there for five years
1: well and you got that station to number one
2: i uh, yeah i it's was doing, all you <laughs> yeah, no it was a country station in houston as large as it is is a big country yeah. town now in the years since i've left there i'm not sure so many people have moved in we were located in a like metro is all one area mm-hmm. up here in sumner county you've got beth page you've got gallatin you've got hendersonville in houston in harris county where houston's located you had uh, deer park and you had pasadena the radio station was in pasadena i hadn't been there long and they had a big city day or something where you go out and meet the people and I went over talked to the police chief and get to know some of those folks and in talking to the mayor he said well with Houston having it's, it was only over a million folks then he said we're you know we're just a very small part of it I said well how many folks live here in this little town he said oh we're just somewhere above 100,000 I said little everything's little in Texas son except when yeah it's 100,000 people but they had a volunteer fire department wow I mean it's different but I'm I'm sitting here looking
1: it would take me a, a while to go through everything that you've accomplished over the days. But uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to continue our talk with former (laughs) WHI inner, Buddy Sadler, uh, inducted in the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. So we're going to talk more with Buddy right after these words. And we'll be right back with more of Sumner County
0: Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com.
1: And we're back with more Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday. We're kind of going back and reminiscing on the history, especially of this radio station, uh, being around since 1948 and been a part of Sumner County all that time and, and very involved. And I wanted to bring in Buddy Sadler, and he's, I guess, a Tennessee Hall of Fame inductee.
2: Tennessee Radio. that's right
1: well you could be in tennessee as well okay you're (laughs) you're that good okay
2: thank you thank you thank you you, but i
1: thought we'd reminisce about some of the things at your time here at whin you actually had i guess a couple of different times that you you actually worked here
2: yeah the first time some of the things i remember we used to do tobacco was a big deal Mm -hmm. back in the 60s and there were several tobacco warehouses up here and every morning and i don't remember for how long and i'm thinking now i came out of nashville when you listen to the rock and roll stations you heard music. Music, you know the news break-ins they would take a microphone and i don't know whether it was recorded or did it live and go to the tobacco auction and they're walking down the aisles and you hear them calling out blah, 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 all that stuff <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking why in the world are they doing that then they would broadcast the sumner county commission meeting sometimes That's that's just things we do. And Charlie Brewer, the guy I was talking about, I did a remote from over at a new uh, hardware store. I don't know. I'm I'm not a tool man. I like music, and I I didn't know a lot of things to talk about. Charlie comes over and says, "Let me talk to the manager." So he got the he talked about a hammer for 15 minutes. I can talk about a hammer for 30 seconds, (laughs) and I've done about all I know about it. But we did those kinds of things, and it was community oriented. Uh, There was a tornado that came through up in Rockbridge or some part of the. County, and i remember lee and charlie lee was the engineer lee rains they went and did a remote they took the marty unit and went out and were broadcasting back live where the tornado had gone through we did the strawberry festival in portland yeah. all of those kind of things now fast forward to about 1979 the station i was with in houston had been sold and i found out and when you're in radio when the station's sold what's the first thing you do look for another job so i called back and uh, i called the lady we just bought a house down there a year earlier and i called her and she said i asked her if she knew anybody that would like to buy a house and she said i'll buy it i want a rental house for my retirement so i told my wife okay step one we've sold the house now i gotta get a job called david tower who was at lac and news director there any stations in nashville looking for a news guy my station's changing hands he said i need one but i can't afford you i said make me an offer <laughs> so he he made me an offer and moved okay. me back up here and a couple of yep. Maybe three months or so after I had been there, Ronnie Bledsoe, I'd known Ronnie before he got in the radio business when he was with Capitol Records, and he called me one day and said, meet me for lunch today. So I met him for lunch, and he said, how would you like to come and work for Kix 104 with Cowdy McLeod, be his sidekick and the news guy for the mornings? I said, I've only been here three months, Ronnie, and... I would love to do it, but they paid to move me back up here, which back then was seven or eight hundred dollars. I said, "LAC, move me back up here, and if you will pay them, then I'll come to work for you." But I, I can't. I just can't do that. It's, mm-hmm. My ethics aren't that way. So he did, and I did, and I came up and worked with, with Coyote. Now that was fun. Uh, well, well he a
1: character anyway. But.
2: Oh yeah. The guy could stand there, he did another voice, he had a voice that he did all the time, and he could talk to him, and he would talk, you know, like he's talking to the other side, and I found myself looking to the other side, I was in the newsroom up above him, he, he said, now you have to get traffic ready, and I said, where do I get traffic, there aren't any, there aren't any police monitors up here, and if it was, it'd be for Gallatin, he said, no, you turn on WSM and Richard Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "And write down everything he says where the wrecks are, and then read them back in the different order. You can say we get our traffic from Thomas Richards, so that was how I did traffic for wow, Calhoun. Yeah. And uh, he could stand there doing the voices and everything he had, and he was a funny guy anyway. And he would work the crossword puzzle out of the New York Times and fill it up, get it right, while wow. he's got all the show going on. He was, he was sharp. Wow. He had a problem with alcohol." He died of cirrhosis of the liver mm-hmm. a few years ago. Nice guy, except when he imbibed a few too many, and then that, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knew it. That was just kind of a thing about him. But he was he was good, and a good friend. Hated to lose him. I lost a bunch of those.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of folks come through Nashville. Pat Sajak. There's been several folks. Uh, Scott Shannon was here for a while. You know, it, it's just Nashville kind of draws yeah. that. Probably more so now because Nashville's such the place now, but.
2: One reason radio didn't pay any better back then, a lot of the songwriters and artists would come to Nashville. Bill Anderson, different ones, had worked in radio, and they would come to Nashville and take a radio job so they could go out and pitch their songs. And they would take less because they were willing to make their money the other way. Yeah, and no, that put a right. bunch of us in the hole. Well, and you actually came back uh, to WHIN in, what, 07, I guess, and, right? Okay, that was the—I've been here three times. Okay, a, three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 79, 66, 79, and 07. do i tell the whole story that that, that's kind of long i I can't tell short. i'm used to writing little newscasts with a story 30 seconds long and when i get to talking i talk longer Uh, and now here's buddy sadler jack williams called me folks he called me down to the radio station and said how would you like to come to work for me i was working in nashville with clear channel radio they had seven or eight radio stations and a news network and uh, i hated driving in the traffic If you had to drive in in the mornings and drive back in the afternoons from Gallatin to Nashville, Briley Parkway, where the station was, I hated it. And uh, Jack said, how would you like to come to work for us? I said, well, I don't know what you got to offer. And he told me about the morning show, the breakfast show that we had Mm -hmm. down there at Chick-fil-A. I enjoyed it. I I got to meet more people. Got to be friends with a whole bunch of people I didn't already know. And it was just good times. You'd have the folks come in and talk to them.
1: So you actually go down to Chick-fil-A and do a broadcast?
2: I was seven or eight minutes away from home. Nice. Now, I'd drive in, no traffic like Nashville, go in, and we had a little uh, Marty unit that we set up next to one particular place that would save for us. There was an antenna up on the roof. I would hook the antenna in, set the mics out, turn the mics on. had a radio I could plug my headphones in and listen to. And that was how I got on the air.
1: So what did you talk about during this? What,
2: whoever my guests were, and all kinds of people would come by and come in. You may have any, and once a year would have the would have the cow calling contest because Chick Fil A and the cows. <laughs> and now I'm not a farm boy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't too good on that, but uh, different ones. I think Skip Sparkman did it once, and Mike McClanahan, and uh, Mike Marshall. I'm sorry, I got his real name mixed in with his air name. Anything, anybody, whether it be the mayor, the police chief, the county mayor, somebody from a nursing home, some just anybody that would be of interest. Mm-hmm. And Jack and Skip, I guess, got all of the guests. I don't think I had to do that. Sometimes I may line somebody up that I knew. But... Uh, during the, I think we're getting close to severe weather because we're starting to have some, but uh, you'd have the, the EMS director or just anybody to come in and whatever was going on that was of interest to the people in Sumner County.
1: Well, and we still remain that. We're yeah. we're Sumner County's local radio station, and that's what we, we try to achieve. And bringing folks like yourself that have had so much history here in Sumner County, a resident of Gallatin with the history of this radio station, I, I just think it's just so important to preserve that. And that's why it gets kind of sad, especially down a music row when they uh-huh. and, and all of that history is just being slowly chipped away
2: yeah i hate that the the place where i worked at clear channel down there when i was there those little row houses like had been there that they'd, they'd turned into studios mm. and what have you i went by there a couple of years later and they're not there they're high rise parking lots right. and t- condo and, row and, yeah <laughs> it doesn't look like music row anymore no it's, so.
1: it's one of the things with a, a county like sumner and we're growing like crazy so many great things are happening a lot of a new history is going to be made oh sure you know we have the big music city studios coming in with our our top of the line movies production recording touring uh uh, facilities and it's it's just going to be fantastic
2: well gallatin was just a little town when you left across the railroad tracks coming out of downtown like from the square where the crystal is you cross the railroad tracks there was a place on the right that used to be i think where the kids hung out for burgers and cokes and all of that and once you left there, it was homes where the people who lived here—the big Jenkins Chevrolet, the Buick Company people, the Baker Motor Company people—who all lived, you know, in that area there. And there wasn't anything. Do you got to Hendersonville? And Hendersonville was one red light. There was a music store and a couple of other little yeah. stores, but there was nothing in Hendersonville. And I think—I can't recall now. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on this, but I think there was two lane most of the way.
1: Now so, look at it. Yeah, crazy. Well, and back then, I mean, especially uh, when you were here in, in the '60s, of course, Johnny. Cash moved here mm-hmm. uh, in the '60s, and you know all the other folks started coming in. I'm, and
2: I bet you might have some uh, stories. I was sitting in the studio one afternoon down there at WHIN playing my music. Now, like I said earlier, I've since changed, but I did not like country music. I'm yeah. sorry. I just give me rock <laughs> and roll, baby. And I'm sitting there, and I look up, and here comes this big, tall guy in black, and this woman with him. Johnny Cash has just walked into my studio. I don't know what the <laughs> heck to ask him. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what? Johnny and June Cash came in. They were helping Hendersonville High School's band was going to the Orange Bowl Parade, I believe. And they were helping raise money. Of course, he could have sent them by himself. But they were helping raise money. But they walked into the studio, and it's like, okay, Hi, Johnny. Hi, June. What are y'all doing here? <laughs> but they were able to, you know, they carried on the conversation because I couldn't have told you anything but Ring of Fire yeah. at the time that yeah. he'd ever cut. That's right. Tammy Wynette used to come down most mornings because we had block programming when I first got there. Mm-hmm. Tammy Wynette used to hang out all the time. And a lot of the country music stars would come by. I didn't interview them because i wouldn't know what to talk about yeah but uh yeah and back in the early days back in the 40s before i was there ernest Tubb and folks like that had music shows mm-hmm. on there now randy did cut a number one record i believe with the hilltoppers in the old studio down there at the old place mm-hmm. he had of course he started dot records and he had renwood records but he recorded they were from western kentucky it was four students up there sang harmony wow. and uh, they cut a big record down there
1: yeah i remember back in the day that's what you did you You'd broadcast shows. Yeah. You know, I worked at a radio station over in Knoxville, and it was legendary. It was the WNOX, mm-hmm. you know, Jamboree or whatever. But they'd have a stage. They'd have everything line, lined up. They would do concerts <laughs> and have it broadcast on air. So that's pretty cool.
2: Sunday mornings when I was here in the 60s, we had live preachers coming in. Okay. From us. We have the type things. But there were a couple of, and I think one was Baptist and may have both been Baptist. I don't know. I'm Baptist, so I'm not taking sides. They got in an argument, and rather than preaching so much, they would kind of talk about one another on the air. And, of course, the first guy's in there first. Then we had a lady that ran a nursing home here, and she would tell you to put a glass of water on the radio, and she talked more about sending her money. But she'd say, pray for us. You know, we want to be back on the air next week. And a lot of times, Bishop L.M. Swanson, just, I remember the name, Uh, brought it out of the She'd call me and say, Mr. Buddy, I'm running late. Said, put on my son. She had a son who had a name with about 14 biblical names in it that you'd read through, Mm -hmm. who had an album. And I'd put it on and play it until she got there. But uh, just funny things that would happen, and had a studio, had a piano in there, that's where they used to do a lot yeah, of that, and there was yeah. one church group that would bring some singers and play the piano. I had two mics, so I could run the mics, and then I'd get the piano a little louder than the singers, or bring the singers up a little louder than the piano.
1: And if they're really bad, more oh. piano, please. And
2: Yeah, more piano and less <laughs> singing if we can. <laughs> yeah. No, just those, those kinds of things. Yeah across from a cemetery. One afternoon, I looked, I told you the other day, I looked out, happened to look out the door, and it was in the summertime, and the sun was setting, and the sun was glistening off of a tombstone over there. And I had never really, I had seen, but it's one of those things, you drive by it, or you work mm-hmm. across five days, six days a week. Dang, I wanna get out of here before dark, there's a cemetery over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, you know, when I first
1: started, I'd be on the, air, look over, and you look right out the window, and there's the cemetery.
2: Yeah. It was just
1: depressing. It's like, I, I gotta get excited here. You know, <laughs> And, like, and Especially if it was a military one, you know that's that's when it hit home, and it was like, ah, "This, this, I got to put blinds up or something."
2: One of the biggest promotions the station ever did was by accident. You said the station was signed on in August of '48. I mm-hmm. think you said one year Charlie Brewer just have something to do, he came up with this promotion, and he cut a spot with some kind of dirge music behind it, saying, "On August the eighth or whatever it was." whin will become a thing of the past everybody thought we were going to go out of business we're signing off that was the most talked about thing in town what we'd planned on doing and we did was play oldies all day instead of playing any of the current hits we played oldies from sign on till sign off but people thought okay and i did the same stupid thing a lot of disc jockeys did i said i'd lock myself in the studio and i played one song
1: you did that. I
2: would. I named it something else, and I, you know, I would call it ball. I'd introduce one song, and I'd play that same song, and I got tired of hearing that, so I finally added another one, so I could have two to go back and forth to. Wow. Yeah, and people were across the street over there, by the cemetery, waiting to see what happened. They wanted to lock on the door. I couldn't lock myself in if I wanted. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, it's so many great memories uh, here, and you know, I, I just want to thank you for coming back and reminiscing a little bit. There's so much more to talk about. I just think that preserving the history, especially in, in Hendersonville with, and Sumner County, with the music icons that we we've had here and still have, I, I think it's so important to to reminisce on this history and and keep it alive.
2: Oh, I agree totally. Yeah.
1: But I appreciate you coming in and you know. I don't live ten
2: minutes with, away. It's kind of like going to Chick Fil A. Where's I my s- Where's my breakfast? Where's the sandwich? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give you thirty dollars a day. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hey, we've been talking with uh, Buddy Sadler, former WHIN radio host, news director, infamous or infamous... Uh, broadcaster. I'm just Buddy. Yeah, just Buddy, Uh, Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame inductee. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything you've done, and and thanks for visiting with us.
2: This station's so good to me, what else can I do?
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. We'll be back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com.
1: Well, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, This is Jeff Shannon. We're gonna continue with another segment. I think you're gonna be quite interested in this story once you hear it. Uh, I wanna introduce to you Dr. Justin Mosley. Dr. Justin is actually called the Mindset Doctor, (laughs) believe it or not. We're going to find out what that means here in a minute. Uh, He's a former chiropractor, now he turned international speaker and a high-performance coach. He founded the Music City Health Center right here in Hendersonville uh, with his wife, Dr. Courtney, and uh, the guy's doing a great job. And man, we so appreciate you here uh, in Hendersonville and what you've done for the community. So we might as well give some folks
3: some background on you yeah well thank you for having me this is an honor for sure yeah I, I grew up in the area grew up in goodlitzville went to good pasture i think the biggest thing that brought me back here i remember my senior year uh we had a, a buddy of ours in our class passed away mm-hmm. and i remember us all going on he played baseball with us we went up to the baseball field and i remembered saying one day i'm going to come back here and give back to this community I had no idea what that looked like at the time, but as fate would have it, I became a chiropractor, came back in 2012, my wife and I, she's a chiropractor as well, we opened Music City Health Center, had great success from the beginning. Yeah, life was great, business was great, finances were great, we we enjoyed traveling, and life was good until 2018. And that's Uh, when I actually had a near-death accident that changed everything for me. (laughs) Oh, you got to tell us about that. That's scary. Yeah. So in 2018, I went on a men's retreat, and we went whitewater rafting, and we we hit the class five rapid. And as we did, our raft tipped over, Mm -hmm. and I was in the back of the raft, and I got trapped underneath the rapid. How many people were in the raft? There was 10 of us. Wow. So you think that weight would... Yeah, yeah. And it's tipped. It's... Went backwards, which is where I was. Okay. So I got trapped underneath the rapid, and it started pushing me down. And I still remember the sound of my helmet scraping down the rocks. Wow! And everything just went black, and then everything went bright white, and it was the most peaceful, serene feeling I'd ever felt. And then in that moment, I heard this voice that said, "Wake up!" And thankfully, I did because <sighs> I came back to consciousness, and I was stuck underwater, wedged between two rocks. And I tried to push, and I didn't budge. Mm-hmm. And I kept pushing and pushing, and finally, my adrenaline kicked in, and I pushed hard. Enough, I broke the buckle on my life jacket that was trapped underneath one of the rocks. Wow, floated to the top. I was gasping for air. I got swept down the river, and at that point, I was rocked. My adrenaline was still pumping. I was Mm -hmm. like, What just happened? And one of the biggest takeaways for me is I mean, we all question our purpose in life, like, Why are we here? Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I was like, Why am I still here? because things could have been different in that moment. Uh, Very close. (laughs) What if I didn't hear wake up? Or what if I wasn't strong enough to break free? Mm -hmm. So I started questioning that, like, why am I still here? And what I noticed was, uh, yes, I was living my purpose because I was helping people, I was making a difference. I was living my purpose, but I was playing way too small. I knew that I was called to go bigger and to help more people on a bigger scale. And I realized that I had settled. Because I had gotten comfortable, and I knew that if I really wanted to walk out the calling that was on my life, I needed to exchange my comfort for my calling.
1: Well, I think a lot of people settle. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they, they get to a point where it just gets frustrating, and they want to quit. Or they just yeah. want to stay where they are. And you say, we can go faster. We can go past this and be bigger yeah. and better.
3: Yeah, because our, our comfort zone, I mean, th- that's where things are easy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, everything is good. It feels great. Life is good. For me, life was good. Or it could be life isn't good, but it's mm-hmm. harder to actually push out of that. So we settle in a comfort zone. And the reality is, though, is like we're, we're called here for a purpose. And a lot of people struggle with trying to find their purpose. But the reality is like, you don't have to have a near-death experience right. or a rock-bottom moment which is what most people wait for you don't have to have those to change your life like you can ask yourself that question why am i still here because you are you woke up today life wasn't guaranteed life is a gift Mm -hmm. and you woke up today for a purpose you have air in your lungs your heart is beating right now you're listening to this you are here for a purpose. So when you can answer that question, why am I still here? And then it's time to go big, Mm -hmm. because this is real life. It's not a dress rehearsal. We get one shot at this thing. And that's what drives me today, is I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize, man, I could have done more. I could have helped more people. I could have made a bigger impact. I want to give it all every single day. So when I get to the end of my life, I know that I made the impact that I was called to make. You know, and I don't think,
1: in your case, it's not about failing, because a lot of people say, well, I failed. But in order to be successful, you have to fail. Yes, I mean, many millionaires and billionaires will tell you the same thing. And you know this, I, I failed so many times, but I got back up and this is where I'm at today.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, and a lot of times that people, when they do fail, they start to believe the story of, well, this wasn't for me. And I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I can't make it. But that's the difference between the people that give up and the successful people. And the successful people still fail, but they learn from that failure. And they say, how can I grow from this and learn so I can do even better next time? And I think a lot of people, they have to realize you're
1: here for a purpose. And you might not know what that mm-hmm. is right. right now. Yep. Until it just like yourself, it flashed before your eyes, so to speak. Right. And you had that calling
3: that said, I guess have a greater purpose. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, that that's that's the reality is we all are here for a reason. And we may not know it, like you said, we may not know it at the time, but the biggest thing that you can do is go out to serve other people. And that's one of the things we've been successful in business from two things. One is Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And in the Zig Ziglar quote, you can get anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they exactly. want. So yeah. if you go out and just start serving and helping other people, you are going to find your calling along the way. Right. And I think a lot of people sit back and just say, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We well, just start moving forward sure. and it'll reveal itself to you.
1: And yet, the funny thing, and this has happened, of course, many times where you think you're on this path and then all of a sudden
3: you get a realization, no, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> and you can make that change, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what happened with me. I mm-hmm. was a successful chiropractor and I had found my identity in being a chiropractor. And all of a sudden I had this moment of no, I need to switch gears. I'm going to go out, start speaking, start helping people on a much bigger scale because, yes, I was helping people locally, but now I get to help people all over the world. Exactly. I've coached people in Dubai and Budapest and all these foreign countries, I never would have been able to do if I would just settled for the vision that I had here. One of the things I tell people about identity, identity is not what you do. So a chiropractic is what I did, but that's not who I am. Who I am is somebody who's here to make a difference in people's lives. A lot of people label themselves of what their career is or what their job title is. That's not who you are. That's what you do. That's not who you are. Right. So when you find who you are and what you're called to do, you can do that within your profession. But again, it's all about your calling and what you're here to do. Absolutely. And there's just so much more in life than
1: just going to work, getting up. You go through the same routine every day. Oh, yeah. And you get <laughs> tunnel vision. Yep. And it, it, so many people have that. They get yeah. the tunnel vision, and you just locked into this thing and you fail to see what's around you. It could be facing you right in the face, and you're not seeing
3: it. Absolutely. And and most people have experienced this, too, As you're driving home. You've driven home the same route every single day. And it's all it's like you blacked out. You're like, I don't even remember how I got home. I I just zoned out. A lot of people are doing that in their life. And the reality is, if you looked at your life, your life is your own movie and you're supposed to be the star of your movie. Well, Most people are playing the supportive supporting cast in their own movie. Mm -hmm. And some people are even more like extras in their own movie. You were designed to star in your own movie. So it's time to step up and take that role because there's people in your life that you come in contact with that need the best version of you. And when you show up as that, then you get to be an example for them. Exactly.
1: And there's just there's so many things that that people can lock into. Like you said, serving others, helping other people. It's not about you and how much money you can make. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's really not about the money. I mean, you have to make a living? Sure. Yeah. But if you
3: can help enough people and inspire others, you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. And that reminds me years ago, I used to study Jim Rohn's work and he talked about, well, if you want to make a million dollars, go out and help a million people and get a million people to pay you a dollar. Because it's not about the the money is a side effect of the impact you can make. So the more you focus on just serving people and make, making a difference, money can come from that mm-hmm. because, again, it's, it's a side effect of the service that you give.
1: Yeah. Now, with your uh, speaking, now, I know you started, I, I see the videos, you, you really started, I started seeing those a lot. So you're getting quite good at those. And they look yeah. really good, to, I might, <laughs> might add. They look really nice.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it's, again, I had no agenda. I didn't try to start out saying I'm going to be a coach and do all the speaking. I was just like, hey, I knew I had my near-death accident. i supposed to help on a bigger level. So I stepped back and I was like, if money wasn't the issue, if I just wanted to find a way I can serve people that brings me joy, what would Mm -hmm. I do? I was like, I just want to put out content on mindset and personal growth because it changed my life. I know it will help other people. And I was, I didn't know if anybody was going to listen. I just started putting stuff out and I started a Facebook group that grew to a thousand members within the first month. So I was like, okay, people are listening. And that led to me starting mastermind groups and I did mastermind retreats and speaking all over the world now and it's really just taken off and i think the biggest reason is because it wasn't me trying to create a business out of it. It was the heart of service. Mm-hmm. And because of that, more business came from it. Sure. Now, do you have a website? Yeah, drjustinmosley.com. Okay. Yeah. So that's
1: M-O-S-E-L-E-Y. Yes. Okay. So go there and all your information is going to be up there. Yep. So yep. what kind of things, if somebody were listening today mm-hmm. and they said, how can Dr. Justin help me?
3: Yes. I really help people rewire their subconscious mind because it's our subconscious programming that keeps us in the same habitual patterns. And a lot of people think mindset, they think positive thinking. Well, that's only part of it, because that's like positive thinking is like going out in your flower bed and saying there's no weeds when there's weeds growing everywhere. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. that's not true. We really need to recognize there's weeds there, pull them out and replant some flowers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I do is help people rewire the way that they think okay. so they can become the person they need to become in order to live the life that they want to live. So they would contact you, yep. start a
1: dialogue fill out some information and i guess you would have to talk to find out exactly where their mindset is and
3: exactly what it is that they need help with absolutely yeah and and mainly the people i work with are business owners and and from and i work from entrepreneurs small business owners all the way up to corporate ceos i even have celebrities and athletes that i work with but it's all about helping them get better results by teaching them how to rewire their mind okay and so yeah just in that one of the best ways is through instagram so dr justin Mosley on Instagram. If mm-hmm. you just send me a DM, I answer all my DMs and we could start a conversation that way. Well, you know, that's a full-time job, all the social <laughs> media stuff. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Like, yeah,
1: you you got to have a staff doing all that. Oh yeah. It keeps you busy for sure. And and then if Elon decides to launch his own platform, there's another one. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so many to keep up with these days. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they can reach you. I guess there, there's so many facets uh, with people because people are pretty deep. Mm. You know, yeah. in a lot of cases, and to really
3: get them to actually tell you exactly what they want, does that seem hard? That's the hardest part for people because you have to get clarity on what you want. But when you ask most people what they want, they tell you all the things they don't want. And I don't want this, I don't yeah, want yeah. to work like that. And it's like, so it's really, I help people gain clarity on what they want and then help them get to that faster. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a process that I take people through to actually hit their goals a lot faster and then three to five times their results fairly mm-hmm. quickly. So if somebody were to
1: contract you, what would be a length of period of time? Is it a couple of week thing or is it just a once a month? Yeah. Uh, how does that work?
3: Yeah, and I do half day or full day sessions, but mainly it's between three to six months. I have some people that have now been with me for years because they just want to keep Mm -hmm. up leveling because it is a process because we are stuck in our ways and it's hard to undo that at times. So the the more repetition that you can get, because I not only do want to help people get change, but I want people to get lasting change because a lot of people have gotten changes. They made a new year's resolution, maybe lost 10 pounds. Then they gained that 10 pounds right back. Sure. Well, same thing in life. I want people to get lasting change. And you, you can work with people all over the world. Yes. So are using yeah. the video platform
1: a, a, as well. And yes. Phones yes. And Zoom and has all the been technology. great now. Yeah.
3: yeah. So now I'm able to Zoom all over the world. And uh, yeah, I just spoke at a conference in Australia, which I never would have had access to. I would have had to travel a couple days just to get there for mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, true. Yeah. Technology <laughs> is <awful>. great.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I think it's exciting that you, you get to meet these diff- different people and you get
3: to travel. So, I mean, yes. if, if
1: somebody, you know, wanted to come speak to their community, convention or yes. whatever, they can hire you to come do that as well. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I speak at a lot of conventions and seminars. I'm speaking in a couple of weeks out in Boise, Idaho at an event out there. And then I'm heading up to uh, Wilmington, Delaware to speak at TEDx.
1: Well, that, we're, going to, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, to find yeah, out Because most people don't know what TEDx is. Right. We're going to discuss that. <laughs> so, And when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Justin Mosley. And he's a doctor, by the way. He is the mindset doctor. So we're going to continue our conversation right after these words. We'll
0: be back with more Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Come.
1: welcome back to the Sunday morning, December County Spotlight. I'm Jeff Shannon, and we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Dr. Justin Mosley, and he's the mindset doctor, uh, former chiropractor. Well, I guess you still are a, a chiropractor; you're just not practicing day to day. So I, I got to thinking. You know, the great thing since since Courtney is a chiropractor, you guys can
3: crack yourselves. Absolutely, that's definitely a benefit, <laughs> especially as much as we travel too. Oh, sure, it's definitely yeah, sitting a in those little seats. A and, oh, yeah, yeah that's
1: got to be brutal.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, having somebody. Eat at home that can
1: adjust you is great. That's that's incredible. So, tell Courtney we said hey. We, we love her. She's so incredible. So when you uh, contract somebody, they want you to come speak at their conference. Mm-hmm. So they've seen the videos. They like what they hear. They like what they see. They say, we need to have him come out. They're going to start the dialogue. And I guess you, you'll start that. And uh, how did that
3: all get started when you got your first speaking gig? Yeah, well, I started speaking even back when I was practicing as a chiropractor. Okay. We, we started having success. And then I started getting invited. Courtney as well. We would go and speak at different chiropractic conventions. Mm-hmm. And I realized they, they started more Wanted me to speak on mindset and personal growth, which is something I loved because I read my first Tony Robbins book when I was 16 <laughs> and got passionate about that. Hey, you can change your mind. You can change your life. And I loved speaking on it. And I started getting more connections. And I think that's one of the biggest things that can benefit you in life is the connections that you have, mm-hmm. because more than raising funds and raising capital, it's the relationship capital can lead to so many opportunities. So I started making all these relationships and they started inviting me to speak. And then when I shifted into becoming the mindset doctor, mm-hmm. which was actually, I was speaking at a mastermind retreat and somebody being a chiropractor, I have a doctorate and then somebody sitting there was like, dude, you're the mindset doctor. And I was like, Hey, I like that. I'm going to go with that. So that became my brand. Wow. And I just started, the more I started putting myself out, the more people started seeing me. And then I started just getting more invites and it was all this organic thing. And I think that's the biggest advice I could get to people is just move forward. Just start putting yourself out there because too many people, they try to say, okay, what opportunities can I go get Mm -hmm. versus showing up? What can I give? And as you just show up and start giving, the opportunities will come to you. Sure, absolutely. So one of the
1: greatest things I believe is that live audience. Don't you, mm. you feel that? I mean, the passion you get from the audience. Right, yes. When you're disseminating this information and you see their body language change, they their yeah. eyes brighten up, they're actually getting it. So that's absolutely, great. Absolutely,
3: yeah. That's one of the biggest things is feeling their emotion. And that's so hard nowadays because a lot of things have been done over Zoom. And yeah. people are speaking at conferences over Zoom. And it's like, you can't really feel, you can't get that feedback right back and get that emotion because you can say the same thing through the computer screen that doesn't hit home. That's right. Versus if you're in that crowd and have that energy, man, you can really feel it yeah. and really connect on a heart level.
1: Well, but you can work the stage, you know, mm. and, and it's not just standing behind a podium because that doesn't do it. You got to have the passion. You got to get out and just really let everybody know you're passionate about what it is you're 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 giving them and you hope that it sinks in. You're not going to get everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember looking out and sometimes we'd have audiences of thousand people and you're looking in the audience. Audience and they're just like, nothing. You yeah. get nothing. It's like they're <laughs> empty. Come on. Come on, folks. Come on. Pick it yep. up. Yep. And so it, it but it really is awesome. Once you feel that
3: connection, they come up to you afterwards. Mm, yeah, that's what you know I mean. That's things. when you get that feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's one of the things that keeps me going is that feeling of just connecting with people afterwards. That's Whether it's whether I'm on the radio or on somebody else's podcast, I love when people reach out and just mm-hmm. say, hey, this thing you said here really spoke to me. Because I'm sure that, I mean, as you, you're, you're speaking on the radio all the time. People see you out in public and they get to say, hey, I heard you on the radio. It just feels good knowing something you're putting out in the world people are paying attention to. Sure. And, and you hope you connect. And do uh, do I see a book in the works or do we, oh, we have one? Yes. No. Yeah, it's in the works. I've written one with a buddy of mine and it's it's a traditional publisher. It's been delayed so many times. <laughs> but I'm working on some others as well. Sure. Audio tape? Audio books? Uh, yeah, books on? It, it will be, not yet. So, okay. yeah, all my focus right now has been on TEDx. And then okay. once I get on the other side of that, I'm going to open it up to more opportunities. Well, since you said TED, get, well, first of all, let's tell everybody what TEDx is. Yeah, so TEDx is a platform that I've watched YouTube videos for years about it. And it's all their platform is all about ideas worth spreading. And one of my favorite TEDx talks was Simon, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And I recommend everybody listen to that YouTube video. It's very powerful. He wrote a book, Start With Why, and a bunch of other great books as well. But for me, it was always a bucket list thing. Just one day, I want to speak on that stage Mm -hmm. because there's so many other Brene Brown. That's what launched her career. Mm -hmm. She was a professor, I think at the university of Houston or somewhere, but she always spoke on topics of vulnerability. And all of a sudden they're hosting a TEDx talk there and she's asked to speak. She just gives her normal lecture. She always does. Her talk goes viral and it leads to her writing the books that she wrote daring greatly and the others and because everything went viral from her TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. So it's an honor for me to speak there because again, I, that was one of the things that one day I'll speak there. Well, one day is coming up here that's soon right. for me. And you know what? It's like
1: you, you strive for that goal, but a, a TEDx, once you get the TEDx, it's like, I've made it. Right, yeah. Kind of, yeah, you know, it's that yeah, kind of feeling. Like, yeah. yeah,
3: and that's that's definitely one of those stages for me is, is it's the Super Bowl. It's, it's being on a stage where other high-level people have spoken on. Sure. It's an honor for sure. And it will open other doors doors for me as well, where I can speak at other events and be able to impact more people because of that. Well, I mean, I'm sure putting that in the bio is not going to hurt. Absolutely. I'm excited about that. For yeah. Sure. So it's going to open up more doors
1: to, to more corporations. Yes. And, and I think people, once you have that TEDx thing, I think it's just,
3: it ups your credibility Yeah. and then they're going to go, we've got to have that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because this is what I love doing. I love speaking and impacting people and just helping people live a better life. Well, you know what that means, right? Speaking fees go up. And that's very
1: true. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that as yeah, well. That's that's always good to have for sure. We, you know, when you have the books, you know, back uh, when Kathleen and I were speaking a lot, it, it was books and tapes. Mm, you, yep. you had to have something to sell because people sure. wanted. You can't speak to everybody, yep. but they can buy your books. They can buy the tapes or CDs that, right. that that you would have. Yeah. Now you can sell, gosh, subscriptions to your your channels. I mean, they uh, the membership only kinds. of, there's tons of right. things you can do for people and and really help them. Tremendously. Yeah, lots of opportunity for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you see in the future? What what, what do you, as you look down the
3: road, where do you see yourself? Yeah, really just speaking more. Speaking bigger opportunities, bigger corporations. I love speaking at keynote speaking at different events, but also I do a lot of training for sales teams because especially for sales, like sales is such a mental game. Mm-hmm. And people think about in any, any corporation or any business, you can, from multi-level marketing on up, people can have the exact same training, but why do some people, the top 3% do really well and the rest of them just do okay? Mm-hmm. It's their level of mindset and personal growth that, that separates the ones that do really well from those who don't do so well. Sure. And when I help people really break through on a subconscious mind level, then they become the top of their field. Right. Somebody can hear a message over and over again,
1: Mm. but just hearing it spoken and told a specific way by a certain person,
3: they can attach that. They might say, I've been hearing this forever, but it just now sunk in. Absolutely, yeah, and that's that's a big thing is there's so much stuff out in the world. Mm. Social media has opened up to different platforms and people are afraid to put information out because they're like, oh, well, people have already heard this for years. But the reality is they haven't heard it the way that you want to say it maybe they've heard other speakers say the exact same message but if you put this out it'll speak to them in a certain way you you hear this with pastors some of the pastors give the same message and sometimes you got to hear it over and over Mm -hmm. and when you hear it a certain way it just really speaks to the heart and that's what it's all about is just continue to put the message out there because you never know you could speak to a thousand people but maybe it's that one person that's in there that you need to speak to that that day that you really make an impact for. Exactly. But if you can help, you know, one person,
1: yeah, it, that's it's worth it. Absolutely, you know? it is. And you never know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, that they might take this this knowledge they just gained and boost their confidence to do things that they possibly could never have done before yeah yeah absolutely so if you had any any uh, crazy stories you've run into any wild things you've, <laughs> I, I said, wait a minute are you yeah. talking to me uh, I, I know what you're saying here but.
3: yeah really it's, i love the the transformation stories and i just hosted a summit where i had 50 different speakers and it was watched by people all over the world Mm -hmm. and uh, i had people reach out to me and just say hey this really spoke to me and what i'm going through in my life right now and people that i never knew and that were new to to seeing my information and just knowing that man you never know who you can help just Mm -hmm. put yourself out there because again that's what we're called to do is to make an impact uh, we're not supposed to just go through life a lot i heard a quote recently that most people are trying to tiptoe through life hoping the hoping they can one day make it to death versus man why don't we dance through life and enjoy it yeah, and make exactly. an impact and have fun so i really think that's what i want to inspire people to do is to have fun make a difference in the lives of others sure. and really enjoy life well i mean your message uh, I, I guess Gosh, you've been on ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC. That's a pretty good platform to get the the message out. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm I'm constantly and that's it's funny. Somebody asked me recently is like because I travel a lot and they're mm. like, are you always traveling for work or do you ever travel for fun? And I got to thinking about it. I was like. Well, this is fun like everywhere i go like technically it's for work i'm going to speak at an event in boise idaho yeah i've never been there but i'm gonna have a lot of fun while i'm there exactly. so it's like this is fun and i'm really believing that quote of yeah you never work a day in your life you do what you really love so it's been fun we um, spoke one
1: time in Sioux Falls. Mm. I had no idea. We walked in, going down to where we were gonna be speaking and just kind of looking around. The falls are right downtown. Wow. The Sioux yeah. Falls are a real thing. I thought <laughs> it was just a name, but just there's the name. falls right there. Wow, right and in And it's like town. a you know, park, you'd be walk around it, but they're, they're, it's all right there. So yeah. it's great to see things that you never, would have ever seen before yeah. going to these great places.
3: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's
1: so. What do you think is
3: uh, one of the, the big hurdles and and kind of brick walls you've run into at starting all this? Yeah. I think getting caught in the weeds of trying to figure out what I need to do versus just that sticking to what started this all for me was my heart to serve. Mm-hmm. And when you start to question, do I need to post on this platform or that platform? What do I need to do? We get bogged down with the work that goes into it. Yeah. Versus, no, I'm just going to wake up today, and I'm going to serve people and make a difference. And when you can get back to that and not worry about, I have to post this or post that and do this or that and say this a certain way, say no. Just get back to the heart of service, and that's where it all stems from. Yeah.
1: What would you think would be, the, I guess, the one main thing that you've learned since starting this journey?
3: What I've learned, because I've worked, it's been an honor, I've worked with over thousands of people now. Yeah. And the biggest thing that everybody suffers with, whether it's somebody that wants to make their first six figures, or I've worked with people that have made over nine figures, they all have a level of belief that holds them back. Mm-hmm. And when you can start believing in yourselves, and one of the things I've been telling people lately, so think about somebody who really believes in you. And if you got kids, think about your kids. Your kids believe that you can do anything not mine. But anyway, <laughs> at one point, at one point they believe, like they look up to you. But there's people in your life, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your relatives that really look up to you and they believe in you. What if you believed in yourself as much as they believe in you? And then you can look at the people you look up to. Like, hey, I know if Tony Robbins was in my shoes, like he would make it happen. Because I believe in him and I believe in others. Well, there's people you believe in. What if you believed in yourself as much as you believe in them? Because great visual. All, That's yeah, because we all have the ability. It's our lack of what we think we can do that holds us back. Exactly. So you just can't stop. You can't give up. You
1: have to keep going forward. But if you find yourself in that position, you're like, look, I, I've hit
3: a brick wall. I just do not know what to do that's when they call you. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love getting breakthroughs for people, that they're stuck. Because a lot of people we try to get through on our own. And we try over and over and we keep making the same mistakes. Sure. But then when you hire a coach, man, it's just like pro athletes. Man, Tiger Woods in his heyday had multiple coaches at the same time. A swing coach, a mindset coach, this coach, that coach all because he wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. And if you get a coach that can really, and one of the biggest things they do is they see things from a different perspective. They can help you see your blind spots. They can help you break you through faster.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of times that's what it needs. Oh, yeah. It's, it's almost like, well, I need that that smack in my face or I have to hit rock bottom before I'm actually going to take any advance and try to get something done.
3: Right. And unfortunately, that's what most people do. And a lot of them, especially with health, a lot of people have to lose their health before they'll take action. and be Like, hey, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And an alarming statistic is I think is after people have a massive heart attack, the one where the doctor says, hey, if you don't change, you're going to die again. Like you're going to have another heart attack mm-hmm. and you're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. They say only 9% of those people actually make lifestyle changes because, hey, yeah. it's not not even bad enough for them to change. Wow. So don't wait to hit rock bottom. Like, Make a decision now start and then start moving forward. Right. We've been talking with Dr. Justin Mosley. He's the uh, mindset doctor. Uh, Justin, tell everybody how they can reach you again. Yeah. So my website is drjustinmosley.com and Mosley's M O S E L E Y. And Dr. Justin Mosley on Instagram as well. Follow me there. Reach out. I'd love to talk with you.
1: Well, listen, I appreciate you doing this. I'm sure a lot of folks are going to be helped just by the little bit that they've heard. But if they want more, get a hold of uh, Dr. Justin and he's going to be able to help you out. So that's going to wrap up this edition of Sumner County Spotlight. Join us again next week for F&M Bank's Sumner County Spotlight right here, WHIN 10 a.m. on Sundays. And then, of course, on our podcast page, it'll drop uh, later this afternoon at WHINradio.com. This
0: is Jeff Shannon. We'll see you next time. So, uh. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by FM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, FM Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 AM. Thanks for listening.